Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, your place for romance novel information we can't help you with your love life but we can definitely send you some books that might um i am jess and i am trisha and apparently now uh, a dozen episodes in i have learned when i was supposed to say my own name yay yay for small progress <laughs> uh and we are yeah we are excited to be here with you we've got this is it's a, a little bit calmer of an episode than we sometimes have, but we still have some things to talk about that I think are very interesting and uh, hopefully some that are exciting and fun also. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know what? It's, it'll be nice because I talked to someone who I met recently and told her about this podcast and she came back and said that she had listened to a bunch of it and really liked how I would go on my rants. And I hate to say, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to really rant about this week. Uh-oh. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> let's see, Jess. Let's see how it goes. I, we're not even 90 seconds in, so let's... Let's see whether or not there are rants. Okay. Okay. Let's revisit that comment in an hour or so. (laughs) There is potential. Like none of, none of my like preparation of this topic led me to get ranty, but who knows? I might get there. Um, It's true. Well, and we did purposely, uh, we're recording on June 28th. Um, and, uh, this has been a bit of a rough month in terms of the world. Mm-hmm. So we did actually, especially the last couple of weeks, boy, it's been it's been a, a tough haul. And so we actually did kind of specifically talk about some of the things that we are interested in and excited about. And so we're going to get to some of that, even if it's not necessarily where we start um, in terms of our, of our content. But actually, uh, Jess, can I tell you about a thing that I am actually really excited about? Tell me, tell me. It is a book called The Trader's Ruin. It's by Aaron Beatty. Um, so this is our first sponsor for the for the show. And I fell into a little bit of a rabbit hole um, when I was looking at these notes from last night. So first of all, <laughs> The Trader's Ruin, again by Aaron Beatty, is book two in the action-packed Trader's Trilogy series by Aaron Beatty. So this is like, you'll be two of three in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there are secret identities. There's a tempestuous romance. Uh, it's a classic story with an espionage twist. So book one, The Traitor's Kiss, was Aaron's debut novel. And actually, this is like a helpful tip from me to you. Uh, when I looked last night, um, and actually again earlier today, The Traitor's Kiss was on sale for two ninety nine. So, I mean, it's possible that it is now living on my e-reader. That's <laughs> Uh, and by possible, I mean, it's definitely happening. Also, in case you were wondering about what's like, oh, well, what does Aaron know about things? Um, Aaron graduated, Aaron Beatty graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy with a degree in rocket science. Ooh. So Aaron Beatty knows some things about some things. Just some and things. And she used, yeah, exactly. She used 
used her experience as a weapons officer in the Navy to inform the decisions that she made in uh, her books. And so the first book received all kinds of buzz. Bustle called it one of the most hotly anticipated young adult fantasy reads of 2017. Um, Our female lead, Sage Fowler, is smart, sly, and capable, and just the kind of heroine that all readers need. If you are a reader of fantasy, action and adventure, historical fiction, or romance, or all of the above, you will deliver, or sorry, deliver, you will devour (laughs) this richly layered story and well-drawn characters. It's a perfect trilogy for fans of Bardugo, Sarah J. Mass, and Ray Carson. And I was actually, like I said, I fell into a little bit of a rabbit hole. I started to read some of the synopses, both of this book and um, The Traitor's Kiss, which is the first one, uh, just to kind of get a sense. And I, so I don't want to go too far into the synopsis on this one in case you don't want the first one to be spoiled, because I think it may not be entirely clear in the first book, um, The Traitor's Kiss, who the hero ends up being. Ooh. So I will just say that after proving her worth as a deft spy and strategic matchmaker, Sage Fowler, you may remember from 30 seconds ago, <laughs> is now comfortably positioned in high society as a royal tutor. When she learns of a secret mission, she jumps at the chance to serve her kingdom once more. Uh, so the tagline is a captain with a secret, a spy with a mission, a kingdom on the verge of ruin. Uh, so again, that's the traitor's ruin by, uh, Aaron Beatty. You can get the traitor's kiss. Now the traitor's ruin, um, is coming out July 10th. So uh, again, as always, we are, we know that you listen to this podcast the day it comes out. Uh, so on July 2nd, so you have just over a week to wait. You can just go pre-order it for yourself now. It will show up in your mailbox or in your Libby app or wherever. Um, but yeah, I think I feel like this is going to be a good one. I will be able to tell you soon since, like I said, I, I ordered the first book. So <laughs> so I'm all in. All right. I am looking yeah. forward to that. I, I might actually already have the first book. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. how it gets when it's like, yeah. you did I buy it? I probably did. It's hanging yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Like, this is all the things that I want. And also, this is actually a cover that could have gone on my my No Abs cover list because it's actually a very pretty floral cover. Oh, actually, it would have worked for today's Riot Grams as well. But oh. anyway, that's a... Anyway, many thanks to The Traitor's Ruin by Aaron Beatty. Thank you. Uh, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So, uh, Jess, you have been doing some interesting reading this month. Um, and I feel like uh, based on well, frankly, the conversations that we have had, uh, you have learned and seen some things about your romance reading and about all of the romance options that we all have. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? And, you know, we'll see what we find. Sure. So it is, while we are recording, it is still the month of June. um, And June, nationally, internationally, not locally, because um, it's too hot in Arizona to... um, go on walks. Um, but everywhere else it's pride. And I decided that this would be a great time to do one of those reading experiments where I only read books by and about, um, queer people. There were a couple, um, accidental veerings from that reading romances about men in love that ended up being, not by a person who actually identifies as one of the letters in in the quilt bag. Um, But that's another story. (laughs) We could talk about that one 
But that would be an entire podcast episode, I think, Trisha. So maybe, yeah, maybe like episode thirteen, fourteen. We'll we'll get there. We'll but get yes, there. for now, yeah, the conversation is. Yeah, at any rate, it is uh, not super common for um, queer characters, no matter who they are written by, to be well represented. So I think, anyway, good job. Continue your uh, discussion of your experiment. So I read and I read. I picked books that I already owned, picked books that the library owned, and picked brand new books. And I realized something about a week and a half ago that my reading all month had been very, very white. And... I sort of looked around and looked at myself and looked around and thought about how I usually read and all of the books that I was like, I'm going to read that. And then I didn't because they were featuring uh, characters who were heterosexual (laughs) and it was very sad. And then I picked up a book that was by an author who is bisexual, but the actual pairing was heterosexual and felt like I was cheating, but at least was reading a book by an author of color or an author of color. Yeah. Um, so then I thought about the whole concept of, you know, we all want to read as diversely as possible. And that includes books by books by and about people of different sexual and gender identities and books by and about people of different races And I am usually very good about the latter and also pretty good about the former. Like, I I am always picking up something um, with fabulous queer characters because I just love keeping them in my life. Um, But when I deliberately set out to read books um, that are immediately, obviously queer some kind of way I did not find those people of color that I usually find. And part of it is because, you know, I I stopped and started a couple books that I wasn't particularly feeling. Um, There are a few books that are later in series that I haven't gotten to yet. Like, for instance, Rebecca Weatherspoon's Fit trilogy is amazing, but I've only read the first one, and I know that the third one has a queer character, but I don't know if the second one does, so I didn't want to, like hop over it. And I know you don't have to read them in order, but I am an order person. Just going to say that. You know what? That's fair. Yep. (laughs) So this is all a long thing to say, at least to me, there are long strides that need to be made. And we've had this conversation before, right? Like publishing is still really behind on representation um, and representation of all kinds. But like I was really expecting to come across more of a very diverse world. And I know that might be in part just the things that I came across, but I might not be well read in romance, but I'm pretty well versed. Like I know it exists. I might not get to it, but I can find it. Yeah. And that that didn't happen. Yeah, so I think one of the I think that's part of the crux of this conversation is that if you are a person who is an avid romance reader and a librarian and a person that was looking deliberately to find these books and you couldn't find them, then I don't know 
what that says for folks. I mean, I, well, I actually do know what it says for folks, right? Like I know what that means then for people who are, who aren't even thinking about it and what they're going to come across. And one of the things that I had been thinking about is that I was at a, a relatively large bookstore over the weekend that had a really healthy romance collection. I, you know, it was a um, Barnes and Noble style store and they had, you know, those shelves that are like three or four shelves high and or four or five. And then it had like three or four of those. So it was like a very robust romance collection at, at a, on a quick glance, I could not find anything by a queer author, let alone by one um, who is an author of color. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we had Sarah McLean on, who was, who was lovely, uh, feel free to go back and listen to that episode, everybody. But we talked about taboo romance. <laughs> and then later in the episode, we gave some recommendations for, um, you know, authors who are LGBTQAI uh, a plus. Um, and we didn't really connect those things, which makes sense, right? Because queer romance should not be taboo romance. But when you're talking about the kinds of romance that people are not putting on shelves, I think it is true that we, you don't necessarily see, even at my local bookstore um, that has, it's very progressive. They have a a smaller romance Mm -hmm. section, but it's a smaller bookstore. So that's fair. And you still, you'll see a couple of titles by, you know, Kat Sebastian or um, some of the authors that are better known but you're not necessarily going to see a broad representation um, or at least not a broad representation in the way that we would hope to see. So, yeah. So anyway, um, all that to say, I think we both kind of were noticing um, and you, I mean, certainly you through your experiment, just kind of the way that uh, queer romance is represented in the larger romance world and, like you said, I think there still is a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, if you look at publishing, like the publishers who are dedicated to queer romance, like you've got Dream Spinner, you've got Riptide, you've got um, Bold Strokes, or who are the, the big three when it comes to romance. There are others that publish queer content but aren't dedicated quite so firmly to romance. And then, of course, you've got the wildness that happened with Riptide just a few months ago and it came out that Riptide had a policy of not even putting black people on their covers right not okay not a policy um I won't use that word but like it was it was made clear by an editor that it they didn't do that because that didn't sell yeah. Right. And that was that was in the 2010s. Yeah. Like that was in this decade mm-hmm. that someone actually said that. Um, and, you know, each of those three publishers has one or two um, main authors of color that they promote. Right. But that's out of 100 or more authors that they have. So each. So it's like. What's happening here? I know that a lot of authors have chosen to go the self-publishing Amazon route or source books or, you know, like they're using alternate methods to publish their books, which unfortunately makes them a lot harder to find. I mean, I use Twitter so hard for finding um, queer self-published books and just use like the people that I know that I can follow to find things like that. But it's, it's really hard for 
a devout romance reader to find it. So getting exposure to people who might not regularly pick up a romance but would be interested in this kind of content, it's going to be impossible. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I think it would be um, your your point about Riptide is a good one. And I think um, there are other indie publishers and small press publishers that are, um, you know, publishing these kinds of romances. I think a big part of the solution to this problem is going to be more mainstream publication. And if I'm not mistaken, Avon has done a fair amount of it. Um, there probably yeah, Avon- are others. Um, but I think that's where it has to come from, right? Like, I think there has to be more mainstream support because if we've seen nothing else over the course of the last couple of years in romance is that the publication, the, the publicity dollars and the, um, you know, the money that these publishing houses spend to promote these books really makes a difference in what lands where in terms of the landscape and, and knowledge of romance readers. It really does. Like Avon is like pretty much the front runner as far as any big publishing house doing um, queer romance. They have the Cat Sebastian promotion happening right now in Barnes and Noble, where you will actually find them on the shelves. Apparently, I found four of her first book a couple like a week and a half ago. So they're 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 putting their money where their mouths are, and I'll tell you. I was kind of surprised that Avon was willing to publish a book featuring a bisexual Pakistani woman, even though she was falling in love with a man. Like, that was that was a pretty, pretty, I don't want to say a bold move of them, like, screw people who would be against that, but I was very happy to see that. Um, and if you're like what is she talking about that is alicia rye um which uh, no i've forgotten which book it's it's not wrong to need you it is wrong to need you oh yeah okay i was right Mm -hmm. um um, and the um heroine sadia is is bisexual so that was that was a nice little delight i i love actually finding bisexual women in heterosexual relationships in romance novels because that is that is my rep mm-hmm. and i like finding my rep and i think mirrors yeah i think well and i think that's the thing right i think every everyone does and also as we've talked about before it's also important to read about and see the stories of people who are not you and so Mm-hmm. The more different kinds of stories we can find, uh, the better for everybody. So, absolutely. So, everybody in romance, please uh, publish more queer romance, especially by authors of color, and please just generally publish more queer romance. And also, please just also just generally publish more authors of color. All of those, yes, please. Thank you. Okay, great. Yeah. So now that's solved. That problem is solved, Jess. Good for us. Boom. T- we've just revolutionized publishing. We're not even 20 minutes in and we are we've revolutionized <laughs> publishing. Boy, we are t- 12 episodes in. We're getting awfully good at this. Um, yes, we are. All right. Should we do you want to tell us about another sponsor? I can. All right. So today we are thanking Aaron Watt, the uh author of the book One Small Thing. Aaron Watt is actually a pair of authors. Um, it's, it's considered the loving brainchild of authors Jen Frederick and L. Kennedy. We're oh. on an Aaron thing today. Have you noticed? I think that's nice. I have a friend named Aaron. 
Errands are cool. Yeah. We like errands. Yeah. Um, so uh, one small thing is a new adult romance. Um, it's about a young woman named Beth, and she has not been the same since her sister died. Oh gosh, we're getting into drama already. It's a lot. Um, so she sneaks out and goes to a party one night and meets a new guy in town. His name is Chase. And she likes having a secret friend. Unfortunately, she doesn't know how deep that secret goes. Um, Chase is fresh out of juvie and looking for a second chance. um, And apparently had a part in events the night that Beth's sister died. So they are in for a forbidden romance and they are in deep. So, I did not do as much research about Aaron Watt as Trisha did about her Aaron, but I am looking forward to this book that sounds like it's going to be quite the tearjerker with, you know, a girl and the boy who might have been involved in the death of her sister. I mean, like, who knows, right? I, yeah, so, okay. I actually read uh, your ad spot too, uh, just because I was trying to avoid doing other stuff last night. And I was thinking about this. I feel like there really is an element of, so to be very clear, you could not pay me enough money to go back to high school. Like, there is no <laughs> part of me that would ever go back to being a teenager. However, there is like that very intense drama of like everything feeling just like it's so much. And in a book like this, so it much. feels like it might also actually be so much. I don't know. I kind right? of, I was reading it. And I was like, but wait, what is the secret? Like what happened? And can what she, happened? can she give him a second chance? Jess? I don't know, but probably, I but I don't so. know. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, I don't know. I mean, they sent this to a romance podcast. They know that if they, if they steer us wrong, that, People will be after them for life. So let's <laughs> let's look forward to the happy ending. So that let's comes assume out that it this, all works out okay. <laughs> this this drama. So you can find Aaron Watt at authorarenwatt.com on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. Um, Facebook and Twitter are author Aaron Watt two T's, and Instagram is author dot Aaron Watt. Another person who got yeah got. Nah. Yeah. Who has to add who has to add punctuation to their name, Jess? You know how I feel about punctuation. I really do. You and, and Aaron. So thank you me and Aaron. Doing your best. I feel you, Aaron. So thanks to Aaron Watt, one small thing, and Harlequintine. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. I might have to man, I might have to dive into this one too. Boy, these ad spots just get so expensive. Um, they do. But worth it. They have always been worth it. So Always. Oh, man. Always. Um, all right. Cool. So um, speaking of things that are worth it and cool and awesome, uh, should we talk about the Emma Awards? Because I kind of feel like we should talk about the Emma Awards. We should talk about the Emma Awards. Trisha, tell us about the Emma Awards. So uh, the 2018 Emma Award winners were announced at the Romance Slam Jam Book Lovers Convention, which is another thing that we'll just take a quick moment and talk about. It happened earlier this month, so earlier in June, in, I think, Kansas City? Um, Yeah, yeah, Kansas City. Thank you. I was scrolling and not finding it. So thank you for backing me up on that. (laughs) Uh, So the uh, Romance Slam Jam is a... 
very cool see me i mean i i have not gone i do not spend like a ton of time in kansas city but it seems really cool like as soon as i opened the front page of it and saw like pharaoh sean and piper hughley and all of these other super cool amazing authors i wished that i could go um but they do panel discussions um it seems like it's kind of a mix between uh a sort of author focused convention so folks who are working to get into publishing and also Mm -hmm. a reader convention so i think there are also maybe on like the second day um topics that are a little bit more focused towards readers they're super i noticed that they're like very into the here and now because there was a workshop actually about uh trademarks and cocky gate um (laughs) so i thought that was cool but anyway the the long and short of it that we were talking about here is that they do announce the emma awards every year um and we've talked about some of the other big award um offerings that the romance world has to offer including at least up until now rt And we talked a little bit about the Ritas and how we're not super sure about uh, some of their choices. But the uh, Emma Awards, um, I'm looking up for for a specific description so I can make sure that I'm getting everything right. But they definitely seem to be um, more focused on African-American authors and uh, multicultural characters and books. Um, apparently the Emma Awards are the number one multicultural literary award, uh, focused on bringing the stories of multicultural characters onto the shelves of readers with more diversity comes inclusion, acceptance, and understanding. So that I'm, I'm reading from their site. That is them, not me, uh, credit where it's due. Uh, and so Emma Awards accept romance and women's fiction books. Um, there's more description about what specifically is involved in the, in the books, um, but it was a it was a really interesting collection of authors and books. I have to be honest. Um, so there is a book that completely cleaned up in the Reader's Choice Awards. It is called Fire. I'm just saying it's by Iris Bowling, um, and she won Best Book Cover, Author of the Year, <laughs> Favorite Heroine. She did not win Favorite Hero. Favorite Hero went to Sweet Stallion by Deborah Fletcher Mello, and she won Book of the Year on the Reader's Choice side. Um, On the Judged Book Awards, I recognized a couple of the authors. Vanessa Riley won for um, No Hiding for the Guilty, and I knew one of the books. I love uh, Love Will Always Remember by Tracy Livesay, which won for Best Interracial Romance, um, which was awesome. Like I said, I love that book. Iris Bowling appeared again on Best Suspense Romance for the Best Judged Book Awards, but we'll link to the whole list. Um, But I, I was telling Jess, I... As much as I do recognize a handful of these authors, and there's maybe a dozen awards here, I have only read one or maybe two of the books. And so mm-hmm. it was a good reminder that there is a whole contingent of books out there that I have not. Uh, there's so much romance, but also I think um, I, these are not books that are necessarily the ones that are at the top of Amazon lists of the best of the year or read lists or RT lists and I don't know necessarily what that means. Right. And, you know, uh, I've, I've heard of a lot of these authors and I've seen a lot of these books. I've read Tracy Livesay um, and Vanessa Riley, but I haven't actually picked up the ones that I owned by the other authors. Um, and it was just interesting to think about how this collection of books is so different from 
even other books by black authors that are being promoted in more mainstream areas. And like, what, what does that mean about what a collection of women of color and potentially some men of color and non-binary people of color, but I'm going to say probably mostly women, um, are, are, um, reading and judging and submitting and offering to other people like this is another one where you gotta nominate yourself to or someone has to nominate your book in order to be considered but at an event like this that is a collection of people who want to celebrate multicultural romance um like why are these books so different from the ones that I see promoted regularly to the more the broader more mainstream uh, romance reading community. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting point and a really interesting question. And I, you know, you had kind of made the distinction that I had to be very fair in my ignorance and had never thought about, about the difference between black authors and readers and what they are reading being maybe completely different from people who have read black authors. And I certainly fall squarely in the second category in that I could give you 10 black authors right now that I read and really, really enjoy but there seems to be a whole other segment and and group of of authors that like I said have have not really crossed my radar and mm-hmm. and I think it comes back to that um and some of that certainly is on me right like that's as any reader you have the responsibility to find and diversify your own reading and that's especially true of anybody who is talking or writing about a genre um in a way that's public so Mm-hmm. Like I said, absolutely a lot of that responsibility is on me. But also what, and I haven't dug, I haven't dug deep enough to, to find out for sure, but I'm wondering kind of too, how many of these uh, books are self-published or how many of them are being, I mean, I, of course, you know, Love Will Always Remember, um, I know by Trace Luce is, is a, I, I gosh, I want to, I think it's Avon I was going to say, I think it's Avon, but I, um, so yeah, so I, again, Avon. yeah, so they're. They're right on in there, but I don't know. And I did download uh, the uh, Firebook. Um, I'm just saying by Iris Bowling because I was like, boy, if it's all over this thing, I'm missing out on something. Um, but right. I haven't gotten to it yet because that was, you know, yesterday. Um, and so I don't know for sure if that's like, I don't know how many of these are self-published. And, and it does seem like there are a number of romance authors of color who we weren't talking about even like three years ago that we are talking mm-hmm. about now. So it seems like we might be moving toward um, being more inclusive in our conversations. I was listening. I don't think I mentioned this on the last podcast. So Sarah um, McLean, who was on our last podcast, was also on um, a Get Booked podcast with uh, Amanda Nelson um, at Book Riot Live in the fall of 2015, so like two and a half years ago. And mm-hmm. on that podcast, Sarah McLean uh, recommended um, a an up-and-coming new author named Alyssa Cole, who she really <laughs> liked very much and thought was going to, you know, do some really great stuff. And she mentioned some of her books. And, and to, to Sarah's credit, you know, Alyssa hadn't published that much at that point, And she has become much more high profile in the last year or two. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember I, when I was listening back to it, I thought like, oh my God, I forgot there was a time that people didn't know about Alyssa Cole. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just, I don't know when we're going to get to a point where the tent is big enough to make sure that we're all talking about all of these fantastic authors, but 
I don't know. I yeah. hope it's soon. And it's interesting to see some of these names, like even with RT, like um, Rochelle Allers, and here looking at Deborah Fletcher Mello and Iris Bowling, who are names that have popped up in um, general and category romance for years. Um, I have no clue how long either of them have been writing, but I feel like there are names that are familiar to you if you read a specific grouping of books. Like, if you have been buying Kimani books since Kimani came into existence, you know some of these names. Um, but if you just kind of touch on one every once in a while or see it pop up in your Amazon list, but don't buy it because Kimani's are ridiculously more expensive than the rest of Harlequin's books, um, then maybe you don't venture into that. Um, we're going to have to talk about that, that whole Kimani thing, because it bugs me, even though they're going away next year, um, the books that they decided to continue publishing until they are out of their contracts are not super expensive. They're between four ninety nine and six ninety nine that I've seen, but that's a price point that's much higher than the people who are self publishing and um, the people that publishers are promoting, and it's not higher than your average um, like brand new Avon book but it's still it's still a noticeable price point. Yeah. And not to jump back into our previous conversation, but um, when I, I've done some just anecdotal um, research, the same does seem to be true of queer romance as well, that it, it tends to be mm-hmm. more expensive. And so, um, yeah. And, and so like you said, if, if you are a person who has been discovering a lot of your authors through the Kamani line and they, and that line ceases to exist what does that mean, right? Like where, mm-hmm. if you, you know, how does, how does the mainstream publishing world, to the extent that we have found Farrakhan or Phyllis Bourne or some of these other authors, or even, you know, like some of the ones that we haven't maybe gotten to the, the same level yet, like Iris Bowling or Deborah Thatcher Mello, how do you find those authors if that line is not there, which it's not going to be, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess... Long story short, and I think you're right, we'll have to come back to the Kamani conversation, and we should, because it's there's a lot going on there. Um, but in the meantime, um, big congratulations to the folks who won these awards. We'll definitely post to the list uh, in our show notes so that you can find all of these books. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I mentioned to Jess before the podcast is that this is a very good excuse for uh, me to mention that there is... Uh, an event here, if you are in the Washington, D.C. area, Tracy Luce is part of a panel that is um, happening at our Politics and Prose bookstore, the the big one, not the one that's near me, unfortunately, so I will have to travel. But um, they are doing a panel on um, July 7th. It is free. You do not have to uh, reserve a seat ahead of time, but it's um, July 7th, 6 to 7. It is called Politics and Passion and Prose. Um, so it's a romance panel that is sort of focused on um, politics or like a DC based romances, which, um, love will always remember, which is the, the most recent book in the series that, um, Tracy has done. It happens in DC, although it's, it's not a super D 
DCE book. So if that's turning you off, don't let it because it's not, it's actually <laughs> this kind of amazing like amnesia story where there's this like high powered lobbyist who maybe kind of lost her way somewhere. Um, who's engaged to this guy who kind of sucks and, uh, she like gets hit on the head and which is terrible, obviously, but she's okay, except that she has amnesia. And so she forgets about the like sort of sucky fiance guy who like can't even be bothered to come back from London. Um, and <laughs> instead it's sort of like an opposite while you were sleeping. Cause she like falls in love with the brother instead, which happens while you were sleeping, but the guy's in the coma. I don't know. It's complicated, but it's also wonderful and delightful. And I'm not even necessarily like a, Oh, I love amnesia stories. But, um, this one is like fun and steamy and lovely anyway. So she is part of a panel, uh, that will also include, um, Amy Agresti, Agresti? I feel bad. I don't, I don't know her, how to pronounce her name, but I will learn uh, between now and when I go to this event. Uh, or at least at the event. Oh, yeah. Oh, and actually, it looks like, oh, I'm wrong. That's the name of, no, that's the name of the, the author. Okay. And then Kelly Marr, Mahar Marr, who wrote The Bridesmaid and the Hurricane. Uh, Amy Agus- mm-hmm. Agresti wrote Campaign Widows. And, and this is like the other super fun thing. It's moderated by Robin Covington. And you know how I love That's Robin awesome. Covington. Um, and they don't mention her books for some reason on this website, but I have talked many times about His Convenient Husband. Uh, the one, one of her books that was, uh, was on sale. Oh, I don't know what it was. I'll find it before the end of playing this. The playing the part. It was playing the part. Thank you. I love playing oh. the part. It's my favorite. It's so good. Um, and they, one of the characters in that one is mentioned, His Convenient Husband. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. Also, speaking of the Tracy Livesay book, I really need to get on that because I think I've owned it since it came out. Um, Also, I didn't know it took place in D.C. because the first one, which is the only one I've read, um, is on the West Coast. So I figured they were all West Coast books. And now I'm really upset that D.C. has gotten into this romance thing like immediately after I moved away. It happened right after. Seriously, I've been to like three or four different D.C. events in the last year. By the way, good job, local bookstores of DC. Um, yeah. So yeah, the third one, yeah. So the the first two, I think, both are in California, and then the third one, um, because the guy is trying to open this restaurant that, like, when I was reading the book, I really wanted to eat at the restaurant, but it's not real. <laughs> so anyway, Darn. everybody, go read that book. You have until Saturday, July seventh. Go read the other books <laughs> that are also listed in the uh, event that I will post. Um, and and that is not even our only. Like, there are so many great free romance events. We actually got um, uh, a heads up from the Mid-Continent Public Library System in Kansas City that they are hosting a uh, romance genre con. Um, I clicked through it. I got excited, and I clicked through into the tab, so I don't have the main one open right now. Yeah, romance genre con. It is August 3rd and 4th uh, in Kansas City, Missouri um, at the Woodneath Library Center. They the, And for this one, they do ask you to register, but it still is free. And if you are a reader or an aspiring writer, um, they have a great lineup of writers. Um, they've got Sherry Adair. They have, um, oh gosh, I wrote them down, uh, Pat Simmons. They have a whole collection of folks. You can go and check it out for yourself if you're in that area, but it is a very, I think it's cool. And you are our resident librarian, of course, on the podcast, Jess, but I don't. I would not have known that public libraries were putting on this kind of event, and I think it's awesome. It looks really cool. I wish I had thought of that. Um, now I want to do it, but um, 
I don't know if I can get people to come to Arizona in the summer. Could you do it in like the fall or winter? I feel like they might come in the oh, winter. Oh, yeah. I could do it in January and get all those New Yorkers down here. Like, it's only 60 degrees. Yeah. I feel like you could actually get a pretty solid collection of folks out in, in Arizona in January. <laughs> I think it's something something to think about. Something to think about. Um so anyway, so those, I, the, anyway, I didn't mean to cut short our uh, discussion of the Romance Slam Jam or the Emma Awards, but I did want to forget to uh, shout out a couple of the free romance events that people could go and visit in their local communities. And apparently Kansas City is the place to be for romance. Yeah. Who the fuck? I know. I, I was saying to Jess before we started, I think they, that even this library system might have helped to host KissCon, which happened there, that also had like Alicia Rye and... Um, Jill Chavez and uh, just like Lori Wilde and all of these, Lori Foster, Lenora Bell. Like there was just a, a pretty, I remember seeing pictures from the KissCon and being jealous mm-hmm. of everyone who was there. Yes. So. Always. There it is. <laughs> there it is. But. There it is. If you are not able to go to a lot of events, we were also talking before we started about all of the many wonderful um, pages that exist and all the many posts that have gone up recently on actually our site and we realize that mm-hmm. we do not always do a good job of reminding you all to go and visit the romance page of Book Riot. Yes. If there's even a tab at the top of the page. If you go to bookriot.com, right across the top, maybe like just right of center, mm-hmm. um, is the romance tab. And you can see everything that we've been talking about that is romance related. And there's so many things right now. We have dragon romances, werewolf romances, firefighter romances, soccer romance recommendations. Like it's just, if you are any place, as we just sort of kind of mentioned earlier, where you feel like everything is terrible uh, and you maybe could just need a little bit of a break from Twitter or from whatever else. Ooh, Jess also has launched the romance trope tonight section that we talked about here on When in Romance. Yes. So. Yes. Yes, I have. I'm excited to have put out fake relationships. And I think I have uh, l- lured some other romance authors from Book Riot over to my cause, and they might be putting together a few as well. I know. I've been trying to think of what mine would be. I have to figure it out. Um, but anyway, so like, yeah, must read military romances. There's this, If you are looking for something to read in your hopefully air-conditioned or at least fan-oriented uh, home this summer... Or maybe you live in the Northwest and you can just go outside and read in the actual outdoors. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, How nice for you. <laughs> How nice for you. Uh, then, you know, we, we have, I think, some, some pretty cool stuff up there. So we'll make sure we, we link do. to that, too. Um, Absolutely. But before we get, you know, too far down the, the rabbit hole, we actually do have some recommendations this week. Yes, yes, we do. We had a request um, from a listener, and I am that person who has completely forgotten their name. I'm so sorry, precious. Well, it listener. was kind of yeah, it was kind of confusing because we weren't sure if they were emailing us or possibly a different podcast or possibly someone else who writes for Book Riot. But we decided just <laughs> just grab it on up here and went in romance, um, and I think that's okay. Yes. Um, and they requested um, some some good romance featuring older characters. And we went ahead and took that to mean people 40 and over or 
over 40 or however you want to put that. Um, and thought about some stuff that we've been reading. I had to think about some things that have been on my list forever because, as you know, it's very long and I keep not reading things that I intend to read. Sure. Um, <laughs> so one that I have read, because it's very short and easy to get through, um, is actually a graphic novel. But it will be continuing, and I'm very excited about that. And that is T. Franklin's Bingo Love. Bingo like the game, you know. Yeah. You call out and you win. B-I-N-G-O, And this is an adorable, adorable story. It starts out a little rough. um, Two teenage girls in the 1960s meet become amazing friends and realize that their friendship is is a romantic one um but they are torn apart because it's the 60s and (laughs) they find each other at bingo in their older years and go on from there and it's really sweet and heart-wrenching and it will make you cry um but it's so so good um, so that is Bingo Love by T. Franklin. And and I think you said this, Jess, but it's a graphic novel, right? It yeah. is a graphic novel. So if you if your your synapses can't handle that, um, I'm sorry, but it's really good. Yeah. I that one's actually uh has been on my TBR for a while and I um almost read it this morning uh to be able to recommend it but uh, cuz I've heard so many good things about it but Jess had already read it so I figured I was I was okay. So then actually <laughs> what I finished this morning instead um was a book by Victoria Dahl called Fanning the Flames and this book is actually Ooh. a novella and it's um two characters also in their 40s uh who have adult children and are um, she is a librarian and he is a firefighter and because they live in like Jackson Hole Wyoming uh, they are the fire department and the library are right <laughs> next to each other and so um, she is like the only librarian that will ever go over and tell all the firefighters that they are being too loud because everyone's like they're heroes you should not tell them that and she's like I don't care they're being too loud like also their music taste sucks like they can't this is not a thing um, but she's also like lovely and fun and great um, and one of the things that uh, and I actually think that this is not I Victoria Dahl, I think, tends to write um she writes some younger heroes and heroines and um some folks in their twenties, but I think she has a fairly I think that I don't think this is the only book that she's written about folks who are at least in their late thirties. I think that a book called Flirting with Disaster, which is in the same series as this one, which is a full length novel, I'm pretty sure those mm-hmm. characters are at least in their late thirties. Um so that's another one to check out. But kind of checking back into this one, it was a really good reminder that Victoria Dahl does a really great job of writing interesting and real and imperfect, especially female characters. Like I was Mm -hmm. uh, looking back at another book in the, in this series and I don't want to give anything away in case anybody wants to read it all the way through. But one of the, um, there's a, a situation where a male character who is the hero in like sort of the dark moment says to the heroine, you know, I don't have a choice. And she says to him, okay, but I do. And this isn't what I want. And sort of like she says, like, (laughs) I absolutely care about you, but also I care about me also. And 
And that's a thing that I think Victoria Dahl does really, really well. And in Fanning the Flames, which is the book, you know, that I recommended with Lauren and uh, Jake, who are um, in their 40s, there's a, I don't think this is ruining anything to say, there's a point at which Lauren kind of says to Jake, you should be with someone nice. I am not, I'm not <laughs> nice. Like I, she had previously been married. Like she didn't, she's like, I didn't like being married. Some people, when their kids go off to college, cry and are really sad. And she was like, I didn't. I was happy. Like, I could finally, mm-hmm. like, have my space to myself. And it's this thing where her – she does a really great job of writing heroines that are complicated. And some people would probably say unlikable, but I actually don't think they're unlikable. They're just complicated and real, and still she has crafted these love stories for them. So it's a, just a good reminder mm-hmm. that – Love stories actually do exist for everyone. So I would recommend all Victoria Dahl books. But if you are looking for uh, hero, heroes and heroines that are a little bit on the older side, for sure Fanning the Flames. And like I said, I think Flirting with Disaster is the same. Um, and I think there's other stuff in her um, cadre as well. So we can we can check into that. So again, yeah, Fanning the Flames by Victoria Dahl. That the, the mention of that scene in the book that we won't name reminded me how much I loved that particular book and how much I need to re- revisit Victoria Dahl because I feel like I once again own like four more of the books that take place in Wyoming yeah. and have just not gotten to them. Yeah, she does a really interesting job with small town romance that is very different from a lot of the small town romance that you would read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one that I have not yet finished, so I can't tell you if it will end in a satisfactory way besides the fact that it is a romance and therefore has a happily ever after, is TJ Masters' Bear Among the Books. And if you can't tell from the title, um, the main one of the heroes in this book definitely is very much a bear. He's you know, big, hairy, older kind of guy. Um, he's also a librarian, so I had to pick this book up because it was a gay romance written by a man about a librarian and a much, much younger man, um, which is the thing that worries me because I don't know how that the author is going to play this out, but I am looking forward to discovering it. Um, so that is Bear Among the Books by T.J. Masters. Yay. Um, and I, and another author that I will, so the, the specific book that I'll mention for my second pick is Trust Me by Farrah Roshan. Um, but Farrah mm-hmm. Roshan is another author, we may have even mentioned her earlier, but she's another author who mm-hmm. consistently writes about uh, couples who are not new adult, right? Like who are, and new adult books are great, but if you are looking mm-hmm. for um, more mature couples, then um, she actually has a book that just came out this week called uh, Cherish Me that's about a married couple mm-hmm. that's been married, I think, for almost 20 years and is struggling. Yeah, it's like 17. Yeah. yeah. And so I haven't read that one yet, but I'm sure you should check that one out. The one that I will tell you about is Trust Me, which is about um, a, a woman, uh, M- McKenna Mack, who is on the um, New Orleans City Council. And she is one of my absolute favorite like badass heroines of all time because she is trying to do good work right like she's she is smart and she's capable and she's great at her job and she still is struggling and that is so appealing to me because i think so often in in romance in particular but in any fiction women are either like just getting started and like sort of floundering and who knows 
or they're fantastic at their jobs, but they just can't figure out love. And so I think that she's done, um, Ferris done a really good job of like finding this in between where Mac is really great at what she does, but she still is coming up against a lot of very real obstacles. And so um, the hero, Ezra Holmes, uh, who is one of the Holmes Mm -hmm. family, who the whole series is based around, is a journalist who sort of is suspicious that she's like trying to be doing something like shady. And she's like, I'm not doing anything shady. I'm just trying to like figure out what's going on and figure out how to run New Orleans honestly. Um, but like she drinks bourbon and she's, she's great. And, she, and she's like, I think she's around 40. She might be in her early forties and Ezra might be in uh-huh. his late thirties. And, um, anyway, it's just a really great book of, I mean, she has been married and it didn't work out and it was kind of messy. And, um, he's like her best friend's younger brother. And so anyway, it's a, it's definitely two people who are established both in their careers and in their lives and a little bit further down mm-hmm. the line. But for sure, Trust Me is amazing. I've heard great things about um, Cherish Me, but just generally the Farishan spectrum is a, it's a whole slew of books that you should feel free to read. Yes, yes. And she's another one of those that has been around for a while and has like months worth of reading for you if you just sat down to read her books. Yeah. So sit down to read her books. Yeah, it will not be months wasted in any way. <laughs> No, not at all. Um, so this one is one that I have not yet read, um, but I have heard a lot about and want other people to read it and maybe tell me about it. I'll get to it soon, I promise. It's in my Kindle. Um, and that is Twice in a Lifetime by Jody Griffin. Um, and it is about a widow named Talia. Um, who uh, gets a job at a police department uh, as a civilian, not as an officer. And her boss is an, a lieutenant named Eve Poe, who she'd met previously when she was still married. Um, and there's, there's some, some, some spark there. But, mm-hmm. you know, one works for the other, so they can't really do anything about it. Um, or can they, I guess is or the question. Or can they? <laughs> Um, I have a feeling they can, Jess. I have a feeling they can. And it's it's hard enough, as we've talked about, like for the past 45 minutes to find books about women in love. Like unless mm-hmm. you're looking at those those big three and very small portions of the other publishers um, around. So I was very I was very interested when I first came across twice in a lifetime however long ago I first shelved it on book on goodreads um and I am really looking forward to picking it up like this has made me realize that I need to pick this book up and I will read it and report back and if you have read it I'd love to know your thoughts about it because it's definitely the most standout book that I have come across about older women um, falling in love. I've, you know, Riptide and Bold Strokes and like maybe one author at um, the other, what is, Um, why can I care? Dream Spinner. Dream Spinner. I was like Dreamcaster, Dreamweaver. Dream Dream Catcher. (laughs) No, it's Dream Spinner. Dream Spinner. Um, Because Dream Spinner is mostly... um, 
gay, um, not not lesbian or women loving women or female female, however you want to represent that. Um, you know, there are plenty of women in their 30s. We see a lot of those in Georgia Beer's books and mm-hmm. in Rachel Gibson books. Not Rachel Gibson. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. Well, I'll find it. Rachel Spengler. Oh my gosh, yes. how, did, how okay. did I ever mix those two up? I am sorry, Rachel. Um, and, um, you know, we see plenty of women in their 30s. But once you get beyond that, it's, it's fewer and far between until you get to something that's more like erotica based about older people, which I have come across and has has occasionally been more effort justification because of the way that authors write, not in any way about the stories themselves. Um, but that is another story for another day. Um, so back to this book, Twice in a Lifetime by Jodi Griffin. It looks really cute and sweet and heartwarming. And also pretty intense because, you know, there's a police officer involved and potentially sure. some line of duty injury. So, yeah. So there's a lot happening there. There's a lot happening there. Yeah. And I will just um, not, I, I think I might be um, contractually forbidden from mentioning His Convenient Husband again by uh, <laughs> Robin Covington. And actually, I can't remember. Those heroes might be in their 30s. So, so set that recommendation aside for this specific segment, but just read that book anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I will re-mention a book that I mentioned actually two weeks ago um, called Autumn by Cole McCade. Um, I, I talked more about it a couple of weeks ago, but for what it's worth now, it's uh, two men who are um, both in, certainly in their forties. One of them at least is knocking on 50. Um, and it's a situation where one of them has been in love with the other for a really long time and the other did not know it. Um, and it is lovely and, uh, there's a lot going on there. So you can go back and listen to last week's episode or two weeks ago's episode to hear more about it. But, um, it's just a very nice, um, you know, romance that is, uh, I think it fits very well into this category. And I will say too, related to, uh, Jess's point that, um, you know, you don't see a lot of older couples. All three of the books that I have talked about are also very hot. Like, so just to be clear, like there is not a, I don't know, there's, there's no cutaway scenes. Like these are, these are books that are, that are pretty steamy. So you're welcome for the recommendations. Even bingo love, like be prepared that for some not safe for work, like graphics, not like super, super, super graphic, but I mean, it's a drawing. Yeah. Of women. Yeah. Who are probably getting it on so that's awesome um but we did find that we 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 didn't have a huge list for this particular uh question and recommendation so we would love to hear uh what you all are reading and looking for um especially a book that i oh yeah i swear this book exists some people might not believe me but i have forgotten everything about it including the author and the title because <laughs> I am that person who comes into the library and is like, it's blue, but I don't even <laughs> remember what color the cover is. I just remember that both characters are older. One is definitely in his fifties. One might be a little younger in, in his forties or so. And one of them is a nudist and one of them might be a farmer. The farmer might be the nudist. I don't remember. Or they might be two separate people. We're not sure. <laughs> I don't remember. 
whatever. But I swear this book exists and I just cannot find it because that's the only thing I have to go on. So if you have read this book... If you can name this book for us, we will call you out and give you a podcast high five on the next episode of When in Romance. We will. We will. And And I might even like, I don't know. It will... I can't, like, give you a hug because you probably don't live in Tucson, but... But if you do, if you do. let Jess know. Um, and, Jess, where would people tell you if they have found this particular book? How could they find you? If, if, you, have, if you know this particular book, you can always drop me a line on email. I am jessica at riotnewmedia.com, or you can find me on Twitter, where I am Jess is reading or Instagram with a photo of the book, please. Um, at Jess underscore is underscore reading because punctuation. Ugh. And if you are very afraid of letting Jess down and want to run this book by me first, you should feel <laughs> free to send me uh, a note at, um, at Trisha underscore reads on Twitter or at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram. Um, my email address is at Trisha, no, Trisha at Riot New Media. Uh, it's in the show notes. You should probably just find it there uh, or just use Twitter or Instagram. Uh, yeah. But we'll link to all of that. We'll link to all of these titles and we'll make sure that the uh, One in Romance link is on the show notes also. Absolutely. Um, did we, I, I feel like, have we missed anything, Jess? I feel like we, we kind of went the gamut. I feel like we went the gamut. We covered everything and a little more. And, and a little more. So special thanks to The Traitor's Ruin by Aaron Beatty and One Small Thing by Aaron Watt uh, for sponsoring the show today. Thanks to all of you for listening. We've gotten some really lovely um, feedback just in the last couple of days uh, from folks on Twitter, and it has uh, just been utterly delightful. So yes, if you has. are listening and um, want to let us know, that's great. If you would like to rate and review the show uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening, that is also wonderful. Um, But in the meantime, we thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you and happy reading. Happy reading, everybody.